feel like something bad is going to happen to me. It hasn't reached me yet, but it's on its way. The normally tranquil setting of Ararat's mortal dam was to a young woman taken too soon. Ten days after Ellie's funeral, stuff started happening around the house. Sounds seemed to come from Ellie's old room. They didn't really relent, so I thought, well, I'll just set up a camera to, you know, see anything. I looked back and there was footage of a figure moving across the hallway. The image was quite unsettling because it certainly looked like us. Why don't you close your eyes? I usually uh, videotape my sessions. Something was happening inside that house and I wanted to find out what it was. We checked the tapes. There was a ghost in our house. Alice kept secrets. She kept the fact she kept secrets a secret. Something bad is going to happen to me. Alice knew she was going to die. I feel like something bad has happened. It hasn't reached me yet, but it's on its way. And it's getting closer. Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by... Amir Ture. And Eric Wong. So this week we are taking a break from new releases to talk about a movie that is about to, or already has, depending on when you're listening to this, celebrated its 15th anniversary. We are once again taking a detour into my favorite genre, horror, and talking about the 2008 sleeper cult hit, Lake Mungo. Our last foray into this genre was, uh, I want to say, less than successful. I made you two clowns watch Skinamarink, which is <laughs> still one of my favorite movies of the year, by the way. But you guys both hated it. So let's see if we're uh, batting better this week. Hated is strong. I'll admit I bounced off of it. Derek hated it. He almost walked out. So I would say. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> this is a modestly budgeted Australian horror film directed by this fellow named Joel Anderson. Super generic name. Pretty much makes him, like, impossible to Google. If you type in Joel Anderson Lake Mungo, so, like, this is the only thing he's ever done. The autocomplete is like, what the fuck happened to Joel Anderson Lake Mungo? You know what I mean? (laughs) So a lot of people have been waiting for him to make another movie, but I don't know. That's probably what I would strive for. Just make one modestly successful thing that becomes like a cult hit and then just fade away and never do anything else again, go out on top, you know what I mean? Perfect record, thousand bad average. Yeah, so basically this movie is a found footage horror film. Actually, I think like it's a misnomer. I don't actually think it's found footage per se. It's more of like a mockumentary, I would say, right? There are found footage elements within it, and I think probably the scariest moment of the movie is actually found footage, but most of it is in a mockumentary style. When did you guys see this? I mean, I recommended this, but we've been waiting to do this episode for a while, so I think, Derek, you've already seen this a while back. Amir, you just saw this. I literally just saw this um, movie like a couple hours ago. I'll equate this to The Empty Man, where it was a movie that Jeff has suggested, and we were gonna potentially do an episode a while back. I watched it. Man, it's probably been almost a year since I've watched this. Really? Oh, I think man. it was probably close to that. I've been sitting on that, that right? for a while. 
We've been sitting on it for a while. And then I was like, oh, man, I kind of don't remember this. So I need to watch it again. <laughs> uh, so I did rewatch it before this podcast. So I've seen it twice now. But you didn't forget that you watched it. You knew you watched no, it. No, I remember I did watch it. Yeah, <laughs> I did remember that I watched it. But I was like, oh, I probably should refresh my memory on, you know, some of the finer details of this movie. Yeah. I just remember the empty man you were like halfway yes. through and you're like, uh, I've seen this movie before and then you totally <laughs> forgot. Just so funny. Yep. I think this is a good bridge between mainstream horror and something like Skinamarink. I think that's like a good in between. Interesting. I would say. Where does something like the empty man go? Ooh, I don't know. Empty man's so different too. More traditional horror? I think it's a little more traditional horror because there's definitely a subset of people who watched this movie and they're like uh this movie is boring as shit nothing happened but you can't really say that about empty man yeah there's definitely more traditional horror aspects in empty man even though its ideas are a little more wild and out there than what's currently in the horror zeitgeist if you know what i mean but this one is different i wouldn't say it's in the same vein as skinnamarink it's less experimental all right, I'm just going to come out and say it. This is probably my favorite horror movie of all time. Wow. Yeah. It really gets to me. I watch a lot of horror movies and not that many things scare me. And I know I said Skinnamarink scared me in like a visceral take me back to my childhood way. But like this is definitely on a next level when it comes to fucking me up. The first time I watched this, I was like on a work trip alone in a hotel room and it really messed me up. There's like this profound sadness to the movie. And it's also really, really scary to me, at least. I don't know what you guys think, but there's just something about this that hit the right notes for me. You know, like the grainy found footage, the verisimilitude of the mockumentary style. I don't know. What did you guys think of this? I'll say it wasn't that scary to me. Okay, interesting. Of horror movies we've seen on the show, I think I enjoyed The Empty Man more. Mm -hmm. I think this might improve on rewatch because I think there's some things there that might make it a more fun rewatch than some. But I did enjoy this. I think I liked it more than Skinner Rink. I think it's maybe just the closer traditional things are, the more I enjoy them in the horror sphere. I don't know. But mm -hmm. um, so far, I think I enjoyed Empty Man the most, probably than this. And then after that, probably Skinner Rink in terms of the horror. Yeah. Yeah, that's it for now. We'll get into the details in a little bit, I think. What about you, Derek? What do you think? I'm glad you bring up the Skin and Marine comparison because I think I understand where you're getting at when you bring it up because I absolutely feel like this is like a vibes movie, right? There's a certain feeling that I definitely experienced while watching this movie. I remember watching it the first time and rewatching it, kind of knowing the beats Mm -hmm. still like there are moments where this movie sends chills down my spine right mm. i think it has to do with some of the visuals like the good use of the camera the graininess of it all helps i think the sound design i mm. really like the sound design in this movie and i think what you were trying to relay in our skin and episode that didn't hit for me I think hits for me here. And I think this is a far more successful movie in that regard, portraying like a feeling mm. like scared and like dread and like sadness versus Skinner Marink was, I think, a little too experimental for me for that. It just became more annoying than anything, I think, by the end of it. Yeah. 
I generally like this movie because I feel it reminds me a lot of Blair Witch, actually. Mm. This idea that by the end of it, it's like, is this real? That was one of the scariest things, I think, about it. It just felt like I was watching like a documentary. This person who like captures this family that is potentially being haunted by a ghost. I was really feeling this movie for most of the movie, kind of up until... The last maybe 20 minutes. Ironically, it's the horror elements that I don't really like. Oh, interesting. About this movie. That's so interesting. I like the I think horror it makes elements. the movie, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does make the movie. It's a fun little twist at the beginning of this movie where it like introduces this horror element that's fake. And then you find mm. out her real life. What happened to this person is way more disturbing than any kind of like fake horror movie that, you know, her brother essentially comes up with. That was scarier to me. To then dig down this hole of this person who's clearly haunted by something, who's clearly depressed, who's clearly had troubles, had weird relations with her neighbor. You know what I mean? Like it was all really creepy and all felt real. But then when you introduce this element of haunting and found footage thing, that actually didn't work for me. I don't think it sets up as well as something like a Blair Witch does. I was feeling it for most of the movie. That's so interesting because I can see where you're coming from because it is a double twist, right? So just to give a little synopsis of the movie, the movie is basically about the Palmer family. So this Australian family, the parents, Russell and June, and their two kids, Matthew and 16-year-old Alice. And what happens after Alice drowns in a dam on a family trip? Okay, so the way the movie works is that it goes from this investigation into this haunting where it's these weird occurrences in the house and then Matthew's photography, which captures like Alice's ghost. Yeah, her brother. Yeah, Matthew, her brother. It turns out that Matthew has been manufacturing these apparitions within his photography to fake Alice's ghost. And I think in part to get the mom to accept Alice's death because... You know, one of the most heart-wrenching parts of this movie is that the dad, Russell, goes to identify the body, but the mom never goes, so she never gets that closure, seeing her daughter's body and, like, putting this whole tragedy behind her, and that just eats away at her. That's, like, the big twist of the movie in the first half, where, you know, it's Matthew faking this footage, using, like, all these little photography tricks, even with the video footage that they set up to capture, like, the ghost within the family home. But through this video footage, this is actually like one of the scariest things in the movie too. Like they capture their next door neighbor in the corner of one of the rooms or in like the hallway. And it turns out that Alice was having an affair with the next door neighbors. And basically she had evidence of this affair hidden within her room, locked away. And the neighbor was trying to get into their house to get the evidence. And basically... This is where the movie kind of switches gears and it becomes this whole other domestic drama. It's a wild twist that I actually really, really liked. And I can see why Derek would bristle against, you know, going back to the supernatural angle. But there's like a profound sadness to like the ending of the movie where the Palmers, they find out that Alice went to Lake Mungo with her classmates and she buried her cell phone and a bunch of her other belongings in the sand right before her death and they recover like footage from her phone this is the found footage segment of the movie where you know it's alice at the beach and then it's this prolonged scene where this figure is like coming slowly towards the camera and you don't know what it is 
And then by the end, the big reveal is that she's haunted by like her own corpse. It's obvious that the ghost is the image of her like waterlogged corpse from the beginning of the movie when they dredged her from the river. And that really fucked me up. Probably the scariest moment in the movie is yeah. the jump scare with you seeing that she's seeing her own future corpse's face. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. As a scene, it's an effective scene. It is really creepy, right? To see this shadowy figure coming really close. And it's the very same like stark image that we see at the beginning of the movie, right? Basically, this whole movie is this confrontation with existential dread, how we never really know even the people in our own family, the secrets that we keep from each other and Alice's story. And then at the end, it turns out that all the faked photographs and stuff, there's like a hidden layer where Alice really was in the corner of a lot of these photos. Really clever, like, sleight of hand there, which I really Mm -hmm. liked. This movie is just really, really sad in a way that's not in your face. I think the mockumentary angle is a really smart choice. And they use, I think probably the dad is the actor that's probably the most famous, but I don't recognize like any of the people. So yeah, I don't recognize any people. It could all be like real people and because it's you know obviously not and it's a mockumentary and someone made this movie the acting is actually phenomenal i think a lot of the emotions are like bubbling right under the surface there's no like hysterics where you know the parents are sobbing uncontrollably it all feels like how a real documentary would be like you wouldn't want to be like that on camera you would try to hide those emotions and compose yourself if you're trying to make a documentary, right? You can see, you know, the guilt and the grief and the bewilderment just underneath the surface of all these performances, especially in the parents. And I think there's just something really moving about that. I think the performances in this movie are very underrated. I think they're very, very good. Mm -hmm. I agree. Like When it starts as this found footage haunting movie where you start to like delve into how these three members of this family are processing this death Mm -hmm. is quite fascinating to me. Probably my favorite part of the movie, the idea like the dad is the one who has to identify Alice's body because the mom can't and like how the mom deals with it. And it's almost like a sense of denial. But then the brother is now the way he kind of treats it is to almost treat it like a joke, trying to like fuck with people with putting her image in mirrors and like being down across the way from a lake. It's really fascinating to see this drama disguising itself as a found footage horror movie. Mm -hmm. that was what drew me in really heavily and then that's why i think i kind of turned not sour but like kind of scoffed at a little bit when it's like oh this actually is a horror movie you know what i mean like i thought it was so clever that i was like this is how you're getting people in that it's like the blair witch or it's like paranormal but it's actually a really deep study about characters grief but then it kind of just like nope we're also gonna do the horror thing so i don't think the horror thing took away from any of the realness of Mm-hmm. the grief and the weirdness yeah. of what you were seeing in mm-hmm. the first half. So I don't think them going back to horror upset me. It, it, in fact, it made me feel more like they had fulfilled the promise of this actually being a horror movie, right? Okay, as much fair. as I admired the cleverness of like the initial bait and switch, I did feel a little betrayed because I expected a horror movie. So I'm glad that in the end I kind of did get one, even if it is sort of – a little bit around the edges. I'm glad that they did in the end make it a horror movie. And it's of the theme, too. I don't think it's a wild tonal shift 
the final swerve into actual horror. I like that this is not paranormal activity where like it goes fucking batshit crazy by the end of it, right? I don't know. I think this time loop thing really just informs the themes of the sadness of this movie. Like, how do you explain something like that? You know, Alice just keeping this secret more than one secret really you have like the affair with a neighbor and everything the whole family's bewilderment to like her behavior and like what's going on and to reveal this at the end is just such a gut punch it's scary just from the beginning of the movie you already know that there's this atmosphere where it's like a portent of dread i think you know when they dredge her body out of the river i mean that was really scary too i think just how matter-of-fact they are in, like, putting the body up on the screen. It's this nasty, waterlogged corpse going back to the house. There's, like, this really surreal part of the movie in the beginning where they have to drive backwards to the house. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, right? like, that was really mm-hmm. cool. The only gear that worked for them was reverse. So they had to reverse all the way back to their house. You know, and that kind of informs the time shenanigans that's going to happen later. It's really interesting. Wait, what are the time shenanigans? Alice seeing her own dead corpse. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, yeah. I think those are the only That time. was the only okay. thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, all right. I was like, wait, did I miss this to be a time travel movie? <laughs> no. No, no, no. The driving backwards thing is great. The psychic they bring in is a really great character. Yeah. He's really weird. I don't know. He's earnest. He seems to believe in his own bullshit, but he's clearly a charlatan because he's a psychic. But this is also a movie in which ghosts really do exist, so who knows? And then, like, the fact that he turns out to have known Alice previously, but he doesn't reveal that. The movie's full of these fun little turns and reversals and revealings of secrets. It's all really fun. Yeah. I mean, I know they kind of introduced the idea that he's seen Alice before, They kind of have this payoff at the end of the movie where the mother and Alice are like both recounting moments where the psychic is having them describing, you know, their walk through their house. I don't know if that really worked for me. Wow. Did that work for you guys? That That was like one of my favorite scenes. Between the mom and the daughter? You didn't like that? It tries to like give the sense of closure for, I guess, maybe the mom, but I don't know if I just completely buy it you don't like the time travel ghost <laughs> i guess not <laughs> yeah you just have an issue I with like time it. travel ghost i think the time travel ghost is cool as shit <laughs> no but like okay why did it work for you jeff i mean i wasn't expecting that at all the mom's psychic session with ray lining up with the audio of alice's session with him you know they're both walking through the house through ray's methodology of i don't know opening up their psychic channels or whatever and they connect through that same room i thought that really worked for me I don't know if it's meant to provide closure for the mom or anything like you said, Derek. I just think that, you know, it's this moment of synchronicity between these two characters, you know, mother and daughter. That's fair because I don't think she ever hears like Alice's No, she comes closer to understanding her daughter in any way. But, you know, just having that overlap and that parallel does seem to be like of some comfort. Yeah, I guess because I'm treating it like a documentary. It's like the documentary and trying to like put those two scenes together, create a connection, like it is some sort of closure. I guess that's what doesn't really completely work for me. Mm -hmm. In that moment, it feels very fabricated. I think what maybe turns people off is the title of the movie, Lake Mungo. Like, it's a little confusing and kind of silly. It makes me think like it's going to be a crocodile movie or something. (laughs) You know, like Lake Placid. What's also really confusing is that 
I think the first time I watched it was on Tubi. And then I think now it's on like Amazon through mm. Freebie. But on Freebie, it's called After Dark Lake Mungo. I'm like, what no, is this? No, yeah, I think that's just like the label of the programming that it was a part of for something. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that's not the actual title of the movie. Yeah. It is confusing because I was like, what the fuck is this After Dark thing? Because when you're on Amazon, it says... Like, After Dark Lake Mungo. It's kind of weird. Yeah. I was like, is this the wrong movie I'm watching? I was like, oh, no, this is the right one. This is the same one I've watched. <laughs> also, Alice doesn't drown in Lake Mungo. That's not where she drowns, no. right? She drowns in some random no, that's, dam. That's where she sees in, uh, her ghost. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, herself. Yeah. Yeah, that's where she sees her ghost. So, I think that's a little confusing, too. But I don't know. The minor quibbles. I wanted to ask you guys. Maybe I wasn't paying close enough attention. Is her having, like, the sexual relations with her neighbor and neighbor's wife? Is that a reaction to what happens at Lake Mungo, or is that before Lake Mungo? No, that's before. Okay. It makes it seem like it's before. Yeah. The thing about that that I wasn't sure about, and I'm not sure if you guys wanted the same thing, is how old is Alice supposed to be in this movie? She's 16. That's what I thought. So, um, aren't, Well, yeah, oh, that's why they're chasing after him, right? Yeah, the family, yeah, I was Like, say, the police like, are trying to find yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. This guy and his wife are, like, sex criminals or something, right? And it's funny when they show that picture of that family. You see Alice. You see the dad and mother of that family. And then they don't blur, like, the oldest child or whatever. But they do blur the youngest child. And it makes you, like, think the oldest child is in on this, too. And I was like, this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that you read Matthew's actions as being, like, a troll. Yeah, I didn't think it was malicious. Yeah, I think it was just his weird way of processing his grief. But that's what I'm saying. <laughs> think about it. You're fucking with people, right? Yeah, I mean, it's not normal, obviously, yeah. because, you know, he's manufacturing all this footage and using all those photography tricks. And then, don't forget, he also puts on his sister's clothes and goes yeah. into the woods so that yeah. their neighbors would capture, him. Yeah. would capture him on film, you know? It's like oh, fucking wow. Bigfoot. Interesting. I didn't get that part. Okay. Yeah, I'm not saying like he's a huge douchebag that's trying to like hurt people's feelings. That's just how I read it, right? Like this is how he is processing this. And it's just fascinating to me. In that processing vein, it reminds me of the Fablemans a little bit, right? Yeah. He's like yeah, cutting yeah, yeah. the mm. film together and all of that. Mm -hmm. And very like using film to process your grief. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like his mom is also baffled by it too. She's like doesn't quite know what to do with yeah. this revelation. Yeah, yeah, Matthew's a weird guy. So there's a Reddit theory that Matthew killed Alice. Did you guys no. know about this? What? All right, explain. I don't think there's that much to the theory, no, but there's, like, to there's a lot of suspicion with like the bruises, the unexplained bruises oh, on him. You remember that? Yeah. Because mm -hmm. like, oh, it's like the ghost did this to him and like he's got bruises all over him. And then people on Reddit are like, oh, those are like clearly defensive wounds from him murdering Alice, you know? I don't know, maybe some weight to those theories, but I don't know. Matthew's just a weird guy, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think he killed his sister. I don't think it does anything. Like, I don't yeah. think that makes any sense with the themes of the movie or what the movie's talking about. Alice was isolated from her family, and I think her relationship with her mom was obviously especially fucked up, but I don't think, like, killed by yeah. her brother just adds anything, right? Like, whether it's true or not, or there's evidence Yeah, I think or not, it would like... actually detract from the themes of the movie. If you think about it, this whole family's a little weird, right? Like, Matthew is, like, he copes with it by then becoming this psychic's assistant. The mom starts seeing the psychic, you know what I mean? Like, I think all the different ways this family copes is a little strange. I mean, if you think about it, the idea of, if this is, like, actual, like, mockumentary, like, you know, the idea that they're putting this out on a documentary, right? They're like filming this experience and like talking about it is also like a weird thing, right? 
I don't know if the psychic thing is that weird. It's weird to you and it's weird to me and it's weird even to Alice's ex-boyfriend. He mm -hmm. comments explicitly that he doesn't know what they get out of pretending to see Alice's ghost with a psychic, but it's a very common phenomenon. That's mm -hmm. true. That's the true, psychic yeah. is a modern twist on the shaman or whoever it is that contacts ghosts. And that's like the social role it serves for people like Alice's mom. Mm -hmm. As weird as it is, it is incredibly common, just like the dad's withdrawal and inability to deal with it is common. I think so. So I think this movie shows a lot of restraint, which I like. It doesn't really hit any one of its tricks over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of the, you know, found footage photography stuff, the surveillance camera thing, obviously the cell phone footage, obviously the mockumentary stuff, but it never feels like a gimmick. It's like relying on a gimmick to tell this story. And it feels very, very real. I keep saying that. But... Yeah, no, absolutely. That's why I kind of equate it to like Blair Witch, right? Like I remember when Blair Witch came out, it was kind of the same story. Like there was not a lot of information about it. Like, people that they casted weren't like huge stars. Didn't they pull a stunt where like those people didn't even show up at the premiere or something like that? Yeah. I mean, that was much more of a ruse. I mean, I don't think this ever tried to do that. It's interesting that over the years, because this is like almost like a cult hit, but it wasn't like a giant hit. The fact that these actors aren't recognized, the director hasn't really done too much. It's kind of led itself to that narrative of, well... There isn't much information about this, so if people want to find out more, they kind of can't. And yeah. It kind of adds to the mystique of the movie, which I don't know if that was intentional. Probably, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. I don't know. But I find that kind of fascinating, you know, us talking about this movie like 15 years later because, you know, Jeff uh, loves this movie, uh, clearly, <laughs> and, you know, championing it for us and... I would probably have never watched this without your recommendation, right? Yeah, man, I don't think like, I would I've never even heard about this movie before you recommended it. Yeah, so I actually just got the Blu-ray of this, like this collector's Ooh. edition from Second Sight Films, and they actually got audio commentary from the producer and the director of photography. So I'm interested in diving into that and like listening because there's nothing about this movie, like about the production or like the director or any of the actors that were involved. There's really a scarcity of information about this movie. So I'm really excited to dive into this commentary. You know, I said it at the top. I mean, this left me at moments really creeped out. Yeah. I haven't seen a movie in a long time that, you know, send chills down my spine, you know, like the visuals are pretty effective in that way. I think it's worth the watch. If you're looking for, you know, a movie to turn on at night, turn off all the light and all that kind of stuff. I think this is a good movie for that. I think part of my issue with this is that I did watch it during the day. Mm. Mm. I don't know, maybe watching it in the dark at night would have been a creepier experience. I'm not sure. You say it might benefit from a repeat, so maybe watch it uh, in the dark next time. Do you think if you don't tell people that it's like a mockumentary, people would think it's real? Um, I think probably until the end. Yeah. Because right? everything is realistic until the up supernatural until the end. twist, right? Yeah. Yeah. But even then, you might be able to pull the wool over someone's eyes. I don't know, a new creepypasta or something, you know? Yeah urban legend type thing i just really appreciate this movie like feels like i'm watching a documentary right it never abandons that idea it never yeah. leaves the perspective of the camera being held in someone's hand or the close-up you know interview style of some of the scenes it takes that idea and like that's maybe the one thing that it like consistently has throughout this movie that really ties this movie together and makes it feel so real right mm -hmm. 
it gets away with that. Even in the end, when it starts to do the during credits thing, or like it's starting to just show you some of the pictures. Yeah. You know, recontextualizes those pictures. You know, those were the same images we saw through the movie, right? Like if we were to go back in the movie and look at those images, they're not tricking us. That backyard photo really does have Alice to the right. Right. Yeah, if you yeah, were yeah. to go watch it again, or like if you watch some of the home videos, you would then go back and see those things. That's part of what I want to do a rewatch is to appreciate that. Yeah. All right. It is a little manipulative because I do think they kind of cheat with that because mm-hmm. when they show the picture at first, they do the Ken Burns zoom onto the fake apparition that it wants you to pay attention to. Oh, absolutely. But at yeah. the end, they show you the whole picture and they hold it on the whole picture and then you see, you know, the real ghost. There's no zoom on it. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's a bit of a cheat, but I'll allow it. I think it's clever. Oh, yeah. Enough, I mean, that's you know? the sleight of hand you're talking about, right? Like, <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Haha. Here's my assistant over here. You know what I mean? Like, I thought that was pretty clever. I did enjoy that last kind of bit. Hey, look at this. You missed this the whole time. Yeah. I thought that was pretty fun. Yeah, and I think the way the movie deals with the family's grief and Alice's own mental health, her, I guess, depression, it's also very real to life where, you know, there's no tidy answer at the end of the movie. It's like, oh, this is what was going on with Alice. This is why she was this way. This explains why this family didn't understand their daughter or whatever. And, you know, sometimes life isn't like that. You don't get those answers and, like... Sometimes when someone dies and the hole that they left behind only gets deeper and like the mystery of that person becomes even deeper and you don't understand that person even more. That doesn't mean the family collapses, but like they just have to move on, you know? I do like that there is almost like an arc for the family, right? Yeah. Very disjointed at the beginning. Like I said, different ways of grieving. But then by the end of the movie, the Matthew character says we got closer after Lake Mungo. Yeah, but like, you know, there's this idea that somehow Lake Mungo did help this family find some kind of closure, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I like that, that there's this kind of arc that does get fulfilled for this family by the end. Yeah, even if it isn't tidy, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you not think that the ghosts being real doesn't underline the themes of the movie? Because I think it does. I think it actively makes the movie better. I don't know if necessarily just because she's haunted by her own ghost necessarily makes it better like i could have believed a story where this person was just depressed at the end them figuring out that maybe she had all these demons inside you know things that haunted her and it didn't have to be literally herself that could have also brought them some kind of closure right for me it was always why a ghost why does it have to be a ghost of herself why is that so important and maybe For you guys, it works. It is important. For me, it wasn't. And I don't think it particularly adds too much to the ending of this movie. I think if the movie is in part about people's inability to deal with grief and the difficulty of doing that, then I think the ghost actually being there is that grief constantly hanging around, right? Yeah. It's always going to be with you, but you're still able to live and move on and be a person. And I think it's almost a hopeful ending. I do think it fits perfectly. I mean, I think it's said pretty early on in the movie. The early videos we see of Alice and Ray where he asked, do you fear death? Are you afraid of dying? 
That's a very natural question for all of us, right? Like the fear of death. Are we all at all ready for that? That's a very relatable thing, I think, to anybody, to me, too. So I don't need a literal ghost of herself haunting her to be effective in that way. That's just me. That's just me. I think the literalization of metaphor is definitely one of the things that horror and genre films can do well. That's true. If that doesn't work for you, then maybe it can feel a little too on the nose. I get that. Mm -hmm. I sort of liked it. I don't know if I'm warming up to this. (laughs) Like you actually like this movie more? (laughs) (laughs) It does a lot of things right. The thing that got you that didn't get me was that I didn't feel the visceral horror of it. Mm. I felt the sadness and I felt the grief. Yeah. But the horror part didn't hit me so much. One of the scariest things I think for me is just like the idea of a shadow or something. You know what I mean? Like that's always been something as a kid I was always afraid of. What's in the closet, right? Or what's lurking around the corner. Even now as an adult watching these kind of movies, like that's kind of what creeps me out when you just see like an image in a mirror or like a shadow like walking across the hallway. That stuff does really work on so me. So what's with you and Skidamarink? That's all that movie is. But no, <laughs> that movie is like a corner of a wall. Like it's not. No, that's not what that was. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> that's why I said I think this movie is far more effective for me as like a vibe, right? Like a feeling than Skidamarink was. I will say that I think I enjoyed this movie more actually on the second watch, if that entices you to maybe try it again. Yeah, I think the experimental nature of Skin and Marink just makes you be like, oh, you're either on its vibe or you're not. And then if mm-hmm. you're not, you're going to totally bounce off of it. Where here, there's enough for you to chew on. There's a narrative, there's performances, there's a story more so than Skin and Marink that you can actually latch onto, you know, characters that you care about. It's not as experimental. I really, really like this. I don't know. I think it's seen like a resurgence in the last couple of years where I don't even know if you can call it like a cult classic. I mean, it's I guess it is. It still is. But a lot of people are discovering this movie and I'm glad that people are because it's definitely one of my favorites. And, you know, found footage is like hit or miss with me. Sometimes it's really effective. Other times it's not. I think this hit all the right buttons. And, you know, I always say found footage, but this is more of like a mockumentary with found footage elements. Do you think this came too late? Because, you know, like Blair Witch is 99, right? This is 2008. That's nine years after Blair Witch. Yeah, but Blair Witch was like... That started that craze, right, of the found footage. Yeah, like Blair Witch was something different. It was like the beginning of something. Yeah. It was genius how it was marketed. You can't do that again. No. Blair Witch... Marketing is something that you never can accomplish again just because of the internet. Like, you could easily tell someone to take it at face value that, you know, this is a real story and the actors actually went missing. And on IMDb, everyone played themselves in the credits. You can't Reddit sleuth this shit back in 1998 or whatever, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, now you can. Yeah. yeah, now you can. I don't know. So I think. When was the first Paranormal Activity movie? 2005? 2007. Oh, okay. Then, yeah, maybe I'm I'm absolutely wrong because that was another craze. I remember that was like a huge craze too. Yeah, that was a huge craze too. I thought maybe this was at the tail end of the found footage, but I guess it's like right where Paranormal was coming out. Maybe that just took the space, you know, because I remember that was a huge hit. And I do kind of get the same vibes. It's just I know Paranormal is the kind of movie where by the end, you know, it's completely fake. It turns too much of a horror movie versus this does strike a pretty good balance. This one's way more introspective than something like Paranormal Activity. Yes, absolutely. I don't know. I was never that big on Paranormal Activity. 
I think the Blair Witch is way scarier than Paranormal Activity. Paranormal Activity is just, oh, haunted house, attach strings to the bedsheets and move things around. It's obviously manufactured and fake. I mean, I don't really think it's that scary. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. It's more like gross-out stuff. Paranormal Activity? No, there's even any gross-out stuff in that. I think maybe the later movies? Yeah. There's like it's a like, oh, a door removed or like a shadow's there. You know what I mean? It's like kind of what I was describing earlier. Like I said, I think this one is more effective in that than Paranormal ever was. Do you know how many Paranormal Activity movies there are? It's oh, like boy. six or seven or something like that. There's right? seven. That's yeah, there's wild. a ton, dude. I've seen like the first three, maybe the first four. Yeah. And then they I kind of give up after that. Beat that franchise into the grave. Like the last movie doesn't even resemble the first one at all. Yeah, I don't know. There's something special about being some guy that's never made a movie before and then doing one and then just disappearing off the face of the earth. Yeah. Gotta do a second one to prove it's not a fluke. I guess. So, two and done? Is that the way to do it? I think so. Because I think if you do a second one, you've proven (laughs) you could do it again. And then the fact that you're not doing a third, it's like, all right, fine. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think if you do two, like, that's good enough. If I had something that resonated with people like lake mungo does i don't know i would pussy out just be like one and done (laughs) nailed it who cares if people think it's a fluke at least that fluke was really good and like i wouldn't have the pressure of having to live up to that you know what i mean huh Uh, but i kind of understand what amir's saying like this was so good but then what happened like why did nobody else want to hire you for anything else right there's like that stigma maybe i guess or maybe he just doesn't have another story to or tell. just He's yeah like, maybe he just doesn't want to do this yeah like absolutely that's his own i could totally respect that too yeah absolutely yeah all right well is there anything else you guys wanted to bring up no i think that's it yeah i don't know i think there's some bad faith readings of the movie where people are treating this like the skinner and caters out there are like oh nothing happened i feel like you can't really say that about this movie there's clearly a dramatic arc mm-hmm that is very, very compelling. Like you said, Derek, it's the thing that resonated with you the most, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's disingenuous for people to say that Oh, absolutely. this movie's boring as shit and nothing happened in it. But I guess like if you think about it, like what? Paranormal's 2007 and this is 2008. They're expecting paranormal, right? Yeah. They're expecting yeah, 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 yeah. like I guess. a big old ghost by the end of it that murders everybody. But that's not what this is, you know? It's absolutely not what this is. But like even nowadays, I feel like when you say horror movie... That's what people would expect, too. Yeah. Right? They want their big scares and yeah, the spectacle and the jump scares, right? Yeah. That's not what Even this is. Yeah. to a certain degree, the Empty Man kind of had to give us some of that, too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is a different breed. Much more restrained, I think. Yeah. In that regard. All right. Well, that will conclude this week's episode. Jeff, where can people find more of your work? You can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com, and you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at strangeharbors. What about you guys? You can find me hanging out at Lake Mungo. You can find me at The World's Okayest Photos on Instagram. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our show is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other popular apps. If you're listening to us on Apple or Spotify, please do us a favor and give us a great rating. It really helps to get our voices out to more people. Yeah, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions on our episode on Lake Mungo, feel free to shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. We like getting listener mail. Sometimes we read it out on the pod. And with that, we will see you guys next week. See you next week, everybody. See you guys then.